people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Oh, listen up, fanboys! It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here is your host, Derek McCaw. Thank you. This is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting episode 302 on a Wednesday. Hey, it's a Wednesday. What? Yes, and it is indeed March 20th, and we are podcasting from Cafe Stritch in the Sofa District of San Jose. That should be episode 301 from as well. And That's 299, right. we did uh, interviews with the Sparks. And, That's right. So uh, we love it here, and we're working our way down the menu tonight. Uh, we enjoyed some... Uh, and this is episode 302. I did say that. It's no, you didn't. You said this is where we did 301 from. And I said, do you want to play that back? Anyway. Um, <laughs> check the tape. Check the tape. We, uh, it's not on tape. We're not that well, primitive. Sorry. It's digital. It's a tape cast. All digital. See my fingers? Yes. <laughs> all right. So, anyway, be that as it may, we are going to be <laughs> this talking. Is, this is the longest start ever. <laughs> no, you're going to cut it all out. Uh, so I'm okay with it. Uh, so we are going to talk about comics news. Uh, certainly a couple of big shakeups in D.C. this week. What? Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. And uh, Rick's going to have a little ups- uh, upset with Marvel this week. We're going to talk about what? some movie rumors. Just a little one. And mostly about remakes and so forth for movies. Nothing new on the actual what's actually going on in the world. Uh, a little bit of TV. And then Rick's going to talk about some games that definitely cross over into our little area of fandom. But first of all, if you're picking us up through iTunes, please be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, tell your friends. You can listen to us on www.fanboyplanet.com. You can also pick us up on the Stitcher app. Right now, you've probably done one of those three things. Another thing you do if you'd like to help support us is to check us out, uh, kick a little money over on PayPal, or order from the Amazon box on the sidebar at www.fanboyplanet.com. And again, here we are at Cafe Stretch tonight. We had bread bowls with soup. You and all the blue cheese and bacon the blue salad. blue cheese and bacon, bacon salad. Again, I just want to stress, come on down to Cafe Stretch in the Sofa District because it is good food, reasonably priced. Make sure you give them a good review on Yelp. That's the way it, it works with kids today. It is. Should we talk about comics? Let's do it. Too. All right, let's talk about comics. So uh, we had just talked about, I think, like we were the kiss of death on, was it the episode 301? Did we mention the new Green Lantern creative teams? Yes, we did. Yes. Was it 301? I think it was just this last Sunday we talked about it because we were on St. Patrick's Day wearing green, That's talking right. about Green Lantern. Yep. And we were all wearing green. I apologize to fandom because apparently if we say it so, it must immediately fall apart. Make it not so. Just like the DC Universe. And that is that Joshua Hale Fialkov, who was going to write Green Lantern Corps and Red Lanterns, left, tweeted that he was leaving for... Creative reasons, and someone else said something that's very true. Andy Diggle 
who uh, has a character named after him on the Arrow show. Uh, Andy Diggle also left action before the first issue of his run could be published. And as Rick pointed out, in today's uh, DC Comics, there's a house ad for Andy Diggle's I first issue of action. Yes, he's a good Can't writer. Wait. He's a good writer who probably would have done a great Superman, but now we'll never know. Because... Well, won't we know? No, I don't know. We'll know anything. for one I issue. I don't think he wrote anything. I think oh. that's. I think that's part of the problem. Is they're having storylines changed, approved and, and disapproved. So I guess stopped. the three months ahead of time stuff is all falling by the wayside. Uh, a little well, bit. Well, as Mick Gray said, they were one month ahead in terms of. Yeah, they were just one month ahead, and so there's still another issue of uh, of Grant Morrison's action before, and so there's time to switch. Switch gears, uh, and uh, the credit is going to uh, Tony Daniel. Tony S. Daniel, who will be the artist on Andy Diggle's Action Comics run, is now going to be the writer. Now, he was writing Batman for he a was while. Doing Batman. I right wasn't before. reading that. Was I right not to be reading that? No, it was good. He's a, it was he, when, uh, so he's a decent writer. Yeah. Yeah, he was on Batman as Batman was ending in the old 52. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. And you enjoyed that. So you can speak to him as a writer and say, you certainly have enjoyed his writing before, but I'm not sure that that's who I am all excited about following Grant Morrison's run in action comics yeah, with. It's a hard act to follow. It is a hard well, act it is a hard act to follow. You're right. The, the only thing you can do now is get Neil Gaiman. and Jeff maybe Jeff Johns. Pinned Jeff. Wow. <laughs> no, to be fair, um, I listened to the Fat Man on Batman podcast with Jeff Johns, and uh, I feel like... Uh, you didn't like his run on action. I want to be. Gone? I want to be nicer to him, uh, but I think he's doing fine over there on Justice League, and uh, I might reread Shazam just to see in a different light. But I After don't know. After hearing him on Fat Man on Batman, yes, yes, maybe. <laughs> don't uh, let him talk you into liking it, Derek. Okay, thank you, Nate. Talk me back. Talk me back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, taking over Joshua Hale Vialkov, at least on Green Lantern Corps, Robert Venditti, who is writing one of the, I guess Green he's Lantern. writing the regular Green Lantern book, yeah. is going to co-plot with, uh, with Van Jensen, who we may not have mentioned him by name before, but we have talked about him on the, his work on the podcast before because he's the creator of Pinocchio the Vampire Slayer, which yes. if people remember... Slave uh, Labor Graphics. Well, SLG. You know, they don't want to be called... Art Boutique. What you keep calling it. does want to be No, that's because Rick again. kept calling it that. And so he said, screw it. You've already said it enough times. I'm going to call it again. Um, so they're SLG. And uh, Pinocchio the Vampire Slayer, which Mark Wade had recommended to Dan Vado and said, you've got to take, take a look at this. And so he's not a bad writer. Interesting viewpoints. But I guess with the leaving of two, guy, two writers, I wonder how much the actual skill of the writer, well, I guess to tell the story entertainingly perhaps, but still not a lot of guidance. I, I feel like this doesn't bode well for creative direction. I guess if you know what I'm trying to say, no, that that these writers don't have freedom to pursue storylines uh, yes. as they wish to. Well, it's kind of like go off and do what you think you should do until you screw up, and we'll tell you when you screwed up. I seem to remember somebody else leaving a while back about this creative differences. Yeah, who? A certain Rob Liefeld. Wow, he saw the roof caving in. Way I'm I'm really sorry uh, uh, to. Joshua and Andy to for being being put in the same bucket <laughs> bucket as Rob Liefeld. Um, well, he did. He said when he left, you know, they keep changing stuff at the last minute. Yeah, 
I'm yeah, not going to yeah. do it anymore. Okay. And he didn't have to because he's got another relaunch of Youngblood to do. But, oh, right. But, but, <laughs> one uh, issue. Wait a minute. Yeah. The one issue and cancellation does not. Right, right. Uh, but I think Andy Diggle is still. Uh, Youngblood, this time hands. No, let's let's well, all right, that would be new. <laughs> let's move on. Let, let's point people to Andy Diggle's work. I think Diggle is writing Doctor Who for IDW, and so uh, you know if you he's still he don't cry for him. He's doing all right, and Joshua Hale Fialkov has a couple things going as well. But uh, it's still it is just a shame because you know he's got a ton of stuff for RDW. A book that uh, you know books that iconic like working getting a chance to work on Green Lantern. Getting a chance to work on Superman has to be something that's like, oh, that's a dream come true. And at least Andy Diggle said they, that they that he's on good terms with everybody. Uh, so maybe it'll come down down later. But you know, he, he was excited because it was the 75th anniversary uh, coming up very soon uh, on Superman. Oh. And I would like to see maybe good creators. Uh, you know, I mean, I should say, I'm sure Tony S. Daniels is a good creator, but but like. A really special event kind of creator. How far off is that 75th anniversary? Well, Action 1 came out in 38. Okay. Uh, so probably like November, October or November of 2013. Wouldn't that be 75? So why do you... I mean, you've got Grant Morrison. I mean, you, I know you... Yeah. I mean, you've got, a, you've got a power hitter on. Why do you cut him off before... No, they, did, they weren't cutting Grant Morrison off. Grant Morrison was done. I mean, by his choice. So he said he was done. Okay. By his choice. It's like, his, I'd, I'd, I'd let him lead into something huge. No, you know? I know. Well, he is. But how do you top that you've got an interdimensional villain trying to kill you in every time period of your life? It was amusing. Life? I mean, it was it I was saw good. it at the ending. It was, but, it's, it, I mean, but, but he felt want, he was done. You want something all-star Superman-ish for the right. 75th but, issue. But he felt that he was done. Okay. And he has four more issues of Batman Incorporated and then... It's, and then he's done basically with mainstream monthly superhero comics. So who would you want on it? Didn't they say who's taking over already? That would be Andy Dingle. Was on Batman. Oh, Batman Incorporated. I thought Batman Incorporated was, was done. I think they're canceling oh. it after, oh, he, really? after he leaves because it's really his book. Okay. Just completely. I think that's ending and something else will take its well, place. Wasn't Batman and Robin his book too? But... They relaunched that nicely, yeah. and now it'll be Batman yeah, and whatever, you know. No, the current um, crew on that is excellent, so. Um, so, yeah, who would I want on action Yeah, to take his place? See, I would think for that 75th have we seen Have we seen a really good Neil Gaiman story dealing with Superman? Superman? I don't think so. So that would be one I would, I would suggest. Yeah. Maybe they'll completely shift everything and have... Greg Pak do that, or Pack, or whatever you want to call him, yeah. or Scott Snyder instead of what they are going to be doing. Well, Scott Snyder is going to be Man of uh, Superman, Superman Unchained. Unchained. So why don't they just move him to action instead? Well, uh, because I'm going to buy Superman Unchained. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and maybe and that's for the 70th anniversary. On a completely unrelated note. Yes. What are Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning writing right now? Well, Do I know, we know that they were uh, work- off the top of your head. Not off the top of my head. No, I mean I, I know that they were on the set at uh, or, or they were in the offices of Guardians of the Galaxy, the film because James Gunn uh, put out a picture of him mm. with them and talked to them extensively about Guardians of the Galaxy since they had really done all the Annihilation Wave stuff. Yeah, but you're I'm right. They're not even doing. They're not I'm doing Noah. They should Nova. be doing something like that. 
because, I mean, but you know, but Nova right now is Jeff Loeb terrible. Sorry, do you know that? Do you know? Have you come to that honestly? Or I didn't think it was I read terrible. The first issue. I'm going to read the second one. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't. They're relaunching it with a younger character. They're yeah. trying to set up. It's the same. Mythology. It's the same Nova that's on the car- Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate right? Spider-Man they're they're setting up and they're trying to set up a mythology for people who haven't been following uh, it all along and well, you know, I never tweaking it a little bit until Annihilation, right? And I got right into it, and it was awesome. And then they killed him, right. and now it's some dork. Well, yeah. Okay, and rumor is that they will. The Nova Corps will appear. In Guardians of the Galaxy, because I think that... Yeah, that's definitely been set up. Uh, because I think that what's going... No, I'm in the movie. Oh. In the in the film, because that would be... Because Marvel can't help but do this and say, in the background, we'll show you how the Green Lantern Corps exactly. should have been. Exactly. Oh. I mean, what? We're not taking Burn. Yeah, I know, they are totally... They are, you know... In fact, Ryan Reynolds will be no. Um, it's like Richard Ryder. No, no. It's like DC. You'd love to have a whole movie based around a thirty-second throwaway. We're going to throw into the next yes. Avengers movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. But you know, I don't. The, uh, I don't know what they're doing. But if, but I wouldn't put. They are a team that, unfortunately, I don't think for whatever reason, there are writers that fit in the different. Universe as well. Fit in the cosmic Marvel universe, right? The Silver Surfer in the Marvel universe, but they wouldn't take over action, is what I thought we were leading off. No, I said completely unrelated. Okay, completely unrelated. (laughs) I'm sorry. So they do fit in the Marvel universe. They do fit in the Marvel universe, and they do fit in the cosmic. And when they wrote for DC, it was a version of Legion of Superheroes that people didn't really like. So it's like when Jeff Johns wrote the Avengers. People don't like to talk about Jeff Johns having written a year of the Avengers. Mm. So, um, well, it was kind of funny because they had the whole cosmic universe they're going for for quite a while, and they brought the, and, and it was really separate from the rest of the Marvel universe as right. it should be because you don't yes. those people won't drop out back Which to I Earth for their think, day job. Or I still anything. think is the, supposed to be the point of Guardians of the Galaxy now, as far right. as mm. what Bendis is writing. And, but right now you've got uh, Tony Stark off in the universe celebrating his birthday by being prosecuted as a god killer, right? The uh, the whole the, okay. you're reading you're not reading that book. The Gardens of the Galaxy. Iron Man. Iron, Iron Man. Man. No, not Iron okay. Man. No, no, no. Which which is obviously setting up uh, him finding the Guardians of the Galaxy. Actually, they've already done that. Um, but but the idea that that's Marvel Galaxy in another part of the universe, right? <laughs> you right. Know, that that. That's really cool. It's isolated, and it's almost like you can buy this as if it was another publisher, yeah. You know, without having to worry about spinoffs or Spider-Man or Wolverine showing right, right. up, which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you mean you don't want to see Wolverine in space? No, not really. <laughs> he already he gets out there enough with the Shi'ar and all that other stuff. <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I, I don't know who I again beyond. I'm trying to think of other writers that I'm really enjoying who I would vault James up to the next Robinson. level. I think you'd pull somebody in. Like, James Robinson had a Superman run, and unfortunately, I don't good. think... you pull somebody in like they did for Dial H for Hero with China Mayville. Right? So, okay, so outside of outside comics, of who comics. would be the... Who do you think would make the great... Stephen King. Superman. Chuck Palahniuk? Mick Foley. No. No. I'd buy that book, though. Chuck Palahniuk on Superman? No. I would say Chuck Lonnick on a Batman book oh, that'd be might sweet. be interesting. I don't think he's a good fit for Superman, but right. since we're pie in the sky, Dave Eggers. I could be wrong. <laughs> Dave Eggers. Uh, Dave Eggers, mm, maybe. Uh, 
David Wong. Let's just go with it. <laughs> David Wong. Now he'd be good for Constantine. He'd be great if you wanted Constantine to be funny. Yeah. 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 I do want Constantine to be funny. I desperately want Constantine to be funny. First issue of it came, came out, out today, this, right? Today. So I, 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 I looked through out. it and passed. I'll get, I'll uh, I may check it out at the shop tonight if we get out early enough. So um, I also want to say that because you know we launched uh, a few weeks ago Vibe, the relaunch of Vibe, which is not doing well. Uh, it did not. It did not suck. Really, no, nor did Katana, and either one. And I think we talked about that briefly. Like Katana is, you know, for some people, you look at her. They've redesigned her to look like she or Kabuki. Yeah, and If exactly. anybody cared about them, nope. It feels like, well, you know, I mean, a couple of great, some people did great art. Yeah, but they've already got those books. They don't need. Yeah, they don't need to see. Uh, well, Katana DC doesn't thing. have a taste of those books, so. But the thing that I realized with Vibe Tanking is. I, w- I was listening to Jeff Johns talk about the, like, give me the loser character, give me that. And I thought, again, we talked about this beforehand a little bit over dinner, is Vibe died in the comics in, like, 1989 or 1990. So ostensibly a whole generation of people that the only reason they think Vibe sucks is because everybody keeps saying how much Vibe sucks. But I read the first issue. I felt ashamed. I, I thought you were going to go to the people who are most visible in saying vibe sucks is DC. Is DC. On DC but Nation. And that's who I mean, though. But not, DC, not just DC Nation. Uh, the DC 52, even the back of the book where they said, like, vibe doesn't stand a chance. It's new. You know, they're making fun of him in yeah. even their little promo comic strip in the back. And so it's like. And as I said, when I read it, I thought, well, if they'd just given it a different name and no one would have known it was Vibe, Jeff Johns could have created a new hero. Instead, he went back to be Vibe. Vibrator. No. <laughs> but, again, thanks for playing. That's your last glass of wine, sir. Um, so, why should somebody pick it up if you're being told, oh, we're going to see if we can make this character who sucked not suck? Well, guess what? It's he, a challenge. Yeah, right. he, he doesn't. He's not. He, he doesn't talk. I don't think he was worth a solo book, but I've seen worse things happen. So, it, although it is, he is again tied into the dark side thing, which already th- that seems to be the new crutch in the new Fifty Two. If we don't know what else to do about their origin, <laughs> let's say in a little dark side. Just come a little dark side. Let's just say there was a little twist. There was this side. apocalypse attack, and it changed somebody's. DNA. Um, so it's almost like the wide event, if you will, over exactly. in Marvel. Um, uh, sorry, man. And so I'm just so bothered by that. Uh, they're also going to try to relaunch the Metal Men uh, in Justice League, Justice League number 18. We were arguing earlier. You know, that's, that was that's, it's funny because I listened to, I was looking back through old podcasts and I, I listened. I did that same thing today. I listened to an old episode where we were, we were highly anticipating the last relaunch of the Metal Men. And we were all gushing about how great it was going to be. Well, it was Kevin remember Maguire, how, right? How horrible it actually ended up being. How dis, how weird and I know, but you know what? This is why people still go out dating. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, this <laughs> last this one. We look forward to this one. It was horribly weird and unsatisfying. He likes the same songs I like. Oh, I got. Okay. He speaks the same language, or she does. Let's. We're, we're, we're all, she's this yes. table, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. Um, not that it would matter, but I just just for the record, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean that does feel. It, it, you're right. You're right. And I wonder is is Metal Man? Are there just concepts like Nate refusing to allow me to like Shazam? Is are there just concepts that they're totally of their time? 
they're good of their time. There are enough stories of them in their time yeah. that we should just let them be. You know, it, it, that was that was true, but there have been, you know, how many times has Doom Patrol been relaunched? Like five times, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, three of those, I think, were actually pretty good. Grant Morrison's definitely. Grant Morrison's was, uh, that's like a half, because Grant Morrison took it off in kind of a weird metaphysical meta And again, I've listened to Fat Man on Batman, believe it or not. Completely sober when he wrote those. I so, I believe it because that guy's Dan Jurgens on Superman. I enjoyed that in his time. I maybe he again. could make it like a cool. He could bring in Booster Gold. Yeah, we've moved or on. Or they could just relaunch Booster Gold. They could. We've, I like we've to moved see on. Nate. Oh, he'll be in, in the in the WTF month, which uh, Dial H for Hero. The cover is, Dial H. The cover is what the Flash. Firmly establishing that the <laughs> dial does appear in the. Is Are in you the caught mainstream. up on Dial H? I'm one behind on Dial H. Oh, the one you haven't read yet will blow your mind. Okay, that's good. I'm willing to have my mind blown. Um, and then Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin talked, uh, offered a digital comic. And right there, you say those two names, like Brian K. Vaughn, who's, of course, written Saga, Why the Last Man, Pride of Baghdad, Ex Machina. He's a good writer. There you go. Who would I want on action to follow Grant Morrison? That's a good writer. Brian BKV. K. Vaughn. BKV. Yeah. I would totally go for that. And I think he's done very little work on Superman as a character, so he he might have something in his, up his sleeve, you know, to be an interesting twist without violating it. So, anyway, he and Marcus Martin, and I love Marcus Martin's art, are doing a book called The Private Eye, but it's digital only. You, you it's Rick digital really only. did more it's digital only. It will never see print. I read a tweet. Ah, that he said we are. You never are on going the Twitter a lot. This. Yeah, you are on the Twitter a lot. We're a little worried. I'm not on a lot. In fact, we're not recording right now. It's just it's an intervention. Oh, what a terrible ruse you've pulled! <laughs> ah, but delicious because we got to eat dinner first. <laughs> that was pretty good. So it's never going to see print. That's what he said. And it's kind of like the uh, the software, like the humble bundles, where you you pay what you think it's worth. Yeah, pay which what is, you a, can. is a, an amazing strategy that works out quite quite well, at least in the software field. I have I don't think I've seen any books, any any comics done this way. I've heard of it, but I guess I've only heard of it for software. But yeah, it's like pay what pay what you can or pay what you think it's what worth. You think it's worth. So if you think it's worth the same as a regular book, you pay two ninety nine or three ninety nine. If you don't, if you think it's just a digital thing, you pay a dollar. But I guess you could pay a nickel if you felt like or you, you're, or you could if you were cheap. Uh, I haven't bought it yet, so I haven't determined if I'm cheap or not. Well, right now it's good to live in that gray area, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, I could be. He's Schrodinger's miser. <laughs> so, but it's going to be ten issues, or wherever you call them when they're online. I, do, okay. I guess we still we're still that's. I mean, you bring up a good point. I think we're still like using the terminology of regular <laughs> books. Like, yes, it's a book. They've written a comic book. That is available online only, so it's not issue, really a book. It comes from the root of issuance. It's a, right. it's a, well, it's a applicable. Just as we've lost the marvel of the fact that pictures move, but we still call movies movies, movies. and we're calling them films, even though they're filmed, uh, they're done on digital. Yeah. No, so I mean, it's just one of those things. It's just funny. I don't know if a whole. It's fascinating. A whole new vernacular could arise as a result of digital comics, but not through any of Marvel's efforts oh. through the, their AR. So, Rick, tell me about how much you've enjoyed Marvel's augmented reality this week. So it's 
20, it's been over a year now since this thing got launched. I think we, so. You know, the the uh, I guess we were there was a panel I was in with uh, Marvel where they were asking for praise on their AR and uh, what was this at Comic Con? Yeah, at Comic Con last year. And okay, so when you, basically, if you're not familiar with it, if you've ever seen the little AR symbol, gold letters on a red background, square in, the, in a panel right, in a comic. Right. You're supposed to take out your mobile device, your phone, your iPad, your uh, your tablet, whatever, and focus on that with the Marvel AR reader. Yes. And you'll get some kind of special message from that. It decodes what panel you're looking at and, and delivers I content. I have gotten a special message. Yeah. It said, <laughs> you got ripped off. <laughs> it said, <laughs> to drink your Ovaltine, Derek. Sure we charge an extra dollar exactly. for this. So... A crummy commercial, and a lot of them. <laughs> well, um, a lot of them have been. I think son pre- of a badoon. Predominantly, they've been like, "How was this panel produced? You know, what is what did the sketch Which look I like?" I admit, for some people, not me particularly, right. but for some people, that probably was a thrill, right? And and you know, but it gets even for those people. Three or four in a row. Probably getting a little yeah. boring, and it takes you right out of the story. You look at that. You look at the AR symbol. There's absolutely nothing that tells you what it's going to do. Right. Some of them have been background material. Some of them have been about the technology. There was one about Wolverine and how he regenerates with a doctor talking about. Oh what yeah. Would have well, to I liked. I liked an FF number one. They used it. I think that was maybe the last time I got it to work for me. Um, when they used to fill in why Scott Lang was emotionally screwed yeah. up. Right, it's like in its best case, it's a footnote that, yes. that helps you understand the panel. I'm all for it. The best case has been used very, very sparingly. Right, and the one that drove me over the edge today was in the latest issue of Avengers, Avengers issue number eight, and you're like four or five pages in, and the AR is on a picture of the Hulk getting thrown out into the orbit. He's just come up against the uh, the new bearer of the Star Brand, the White Event, and the Avengers are investigating. This is the new Hulk, who is actually a part of the Avengers and fairly controlled. Right. So you see the AR thing there, and you're going, "Well, what's this going to be about? Is it going to be a Hulk in outer space? Is it going to explain the Hulk's armor that he's wearing? Whatever." For more about the Hulk in space, read yeah. World War Hulk. So now and you know. Hulk. Is that what it said? No. no. Instead, Worse. We, we cut to. A small child and a and an adult sitting on chairs, where they talk about, wow, what do we like to be that kid having the Hulk bear down on him? What do we like to have be the Hulk slammed out into outer space? What would that sound like, Mary? So I'm not sure who <laughs> Marvel thinks is reading Jonathan Hickman's Avengers, but right, let me which say, which has been one of the most mind blowing things he's done. I consider my son. An intelligent young boy, but I'm still. It might be a bit above his head. Is that what you're saying? No, he would have been bored by this. Oh, by the AR, himself. absolutely. Yeah. Yes, but 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 I'm saying, even he I'm would, not. But even even so, he, I'm not giving him Jonathan Hickman's book <laughs> because you haven't learned enough simple physics. Exactly. <laughs> but it, and not only that, but we're on page five, and it foreshadows. The next couple of pages that are coming about how the Hulk gets out of orbit and comes back down. And this we're getting in the context of the story. It's like Marvel is including its own spoilers in context so of what's going to come they, up I might in the next think couple of pages. thinking that people redo the AR the second time around. 
perhaps, but there's nothing that says just do it on the second half of the run. And if you're no. if you're trying no, to read the story the though. first time, if you're trying to read the front story the first time and you don't understand what's going, a footnote at that point could be helpful. There should be micro sensors in the page. Exactly. So that if it has not been turned previously, the AR comes up and says, there you go. not this you time, buddy. <laughs> next page, buddy. I think I think you should just decide Spoilers. what it's for yeah. and not just randomly put a little Easter egg in there that, that you go, should I read that now? Should I break out my phone? My phone's not with me. Should I walk into the other well, room and get my phone? And I don't know here? if other people have had this problem. And you can write in anybody who's... Agreeing, who's like in his car right now, going, "Yeah, you tell him, Rick. Stick it to the Marvel Man. Um, <laughs> Marvel Man. Wait, what's yeah. Marvel Man? Kimota. Uh, anyway, um, but I have had a problem. People can write into editor at fanboyplanet dot com and tell me I was crazy or not. I just realized that Komoda is atomic backwards. <laughs> Did you just realize it? No, because uh, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Glad we were here for that little breakthrough. <laughs> but that. Anyway, that I have had trouble with the AR. Like sometimes I just won't process, and I don't. Yeah. Since I don't know if it's being server pushed or if there's really a code in, in there that's supposed to be just. I think I think my, it definitely has to do with your internet connection well, and the be. server at that time. I mean, it must be server pushed. And so. I think that they don't work as well probably on the day of issuance. Oh no! I've had, I mean, I've had problems server. days after. And when, like, oh, I believe you. When I picked up because uh, my son made me buy AVX number one. Because um, of the Dale Keown art? Oh, wait, yeah. no. That's no, because it, it was Avengers versus X-Men. <laughs> Never mind. At the and time, that's cool. He, yeah, I was thinking that of was, A plus X. It's okay. It's was okay. the Dale Keown art. He was not lured in because of his favorite artist. If you recall, last year at Big Wow, the concept that people draw this doesn't really impress him all that much. <laughs> all he right. cares about is the final product. That's right. Um <laughs> And, and he was really cute in the and, Captain America outfit. And, but he didn't wear it to Big Wow. You only saw the picture. He would only wear it at, at, around the house, and then oh. he took it off. That's, um, I thought he wore it to Big Wow. Oh, no, he would not. Oh, no. Good, he would not. Um, but anyway, uh, when I tried to use the AR on that, it was third printing. All the AR things were still there. And we must have even bought it like a month or two after the third printing had been out. Yeah. Nothing worked. I was trying to show him how cool AR could be like that would blow your mind. No, you know, so it was not yeah particularly impressive. So Marvel, really, please make up your mind what you're going to do with this stuff or get rid of it. Yeah, and I really and you've got so much stuff going on in these books with respect to beyond what just a good story is. Just clean your act. And you've up. got so many other ways to charge us an extra dollar that makes us feel ripped off, like oh. like the digital codes, realizing. That you have no choice. There are several titles which I've just been merrily buying along, never downloaded a digital book. And then Rick's pointed out, you know, you've been paying this extra dollar for the code. Because the, the, the four books that Marvel does that don't have the digital code cost a buck less. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm suddenly rather miffed at that because I... And you're Once not, I buy the book, I don't need it online. And you're not even exactly. trying to do them. I, my ritual now is to get home... Sort the books into the ones I'm going to read immediately, the ones I'm going to put on the lower part of the Sacrifice pile. Sacrifice a neighbor and the child. the ones that have codes. And then the ones that have codes go into another pile that I immediately go in and I tear off the, the sticker and enter the numbers oh. and get them into my registry. Already, Your value you, you used a verb. Down. Well, there's, there's, there's speculation on that as to whether or not this means it's not mint or not. 
and a lot of uh, there, it's kind of out. I've been looking into that as far as the value of the comic, because after after year they they are no longer it's no longer any the code isn't any value. But anyway, the the idea that Marvel is still experimenting with how this stuff works and the stickers that go into these books pulling them off right now the glue sometimes will pull the number apart so you can't read it it's like a forensic experiment to get the get the the numbers outright and then fill them in and i've had a number of times when i've put in the number and it's just told me it's wrong and it's dead on what i'm entering what's in the book you have to contact their technical support their technical support for their benefit is is really good about giving you an alternate number a few days later if you keep track of all this stuff, and I don't really want to keep track of all this. Have I gotten the digital code for this issue yet? Do I put that in a new pile in my collection that I haven't actually gotten the credit well, for? Well, you should yet? write a big black check mark on the cover. Yeah, I should just, like, cross mark yeah, through I, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like... But the, the, but the, I think the, the, the glue portion of the book is actually a problem. And actually, the, the, they're, they're still experimenting. Some days, um, the... the Whatever process you're using to put these on the pages puts enough glue on that it that it that it actually won't come off, and you end up pulling the whole How thing off. How can McDonald's, Seven Eleven, Burger King, they put their game pieces on their cups? They oh put yeah, game pieces on their fries. They come right off, no problem. Yeah. But you can't figure out how to put a sticker inside a comic book that can easily come off. You know, it's funny if you know, I buy a lot, a lot of Marvel, and as you're filling in those codes, it's like they all start out with T M M, and then it's like sometimes it's thirty four, and sometimes it's whatever. You start to recognize the patterns in those numbers after a while. <laughs> I'm wondering if I'll go, I'll be able to look at this number and go, yeah, that's Avengers. Okay, and uh, <laughs> the intervention has shifted, Rick. You may... I have done, spent too much time with my comics. That's the code from Avengers number six. I <laughs> to read. No, that's... You know, I, I, I get, the, get that. Uh, you get familiar with your stock, shall we say. Yeah. And, yeah. No matter how strange. But um, interesting. So let's move to movies where Marvel is doing so far so good. Uh, so far so much better than DC. Yeah, well, sure. And we know that uh, uh, Brian Singer's got Days of Future Past, X-Men, Days of Future Past coming. Uh, almost everybody seems to be returning that we would want to return, and Halle Berry is Storm. And uh, although apparently she says everybody wanted her to come back. I, I don't know who everybody is, but uh, they're the same people who wanted Rob her Liefeld agent. to launch Youngblood again. Uh, so uh, Brian Singer announced that, uh, well, and including Daniel Cudmore as Colossus, so we know Colossus will be in there. And uh, he cast Peter Dinklage a few weeks ago, announced that Peter Dinklage would play a role in X-Men Days of Future Past. And the rumor got out that Peter Dinklage would be playing Bolivar Trask, who would be the inventor or programmer of the Sentinels. But I don't really remember, except for the uh, you know the future, I remember the Sentinels having something to do with the concentration camps, but not really being part of what... In the original story, Trask had a son who was actually a mutant, had to wear an amulet to hide his mutant. Right, which ability. was really taken... That was already used by Stryker in X2. Had the son. Ah, okay. You know, so it's already, that part's already been done. But the other thing that leaked out was that... Uh, was a couple other things. So let me, let me just be the first to make this speculation. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And we don't have Please long... Please don't say they're going to gonna put Wolverine in space. No. Eventually. No, but I'm going to put two and two together here. 
Brian Singer in the apparently tanked Jack the Giant Slayer did a lot of characters that were mo-capped and CG'd. All the giants were. Yeah. And although I have not seen it, apparently some of the giants were fairly realistic and it was interesting. Uh, so he said that there would be one of the mutants in Days of Future Past would be completely computer generated. And he also sort of let leak to a bleeding cool reporter that it's possible that Apocalypse will have something to do with the cinematic version of Days of Future Past, in which some history will be rewritten to undo what he didn't like about X-Men The Last Stand. Which, by the way, was everything. Yeah. Um, except that, no, it he did... It was all a dream. No, 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 because he did say, like, he enjoyed... He pulled Ellen Page, will be returning for Days of Future Past as Kitty Pride. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, you've got the young beast, but you're not going to see Kelsey Grammer in that role. Oh. But uh, I know, because... It, from my other issues <laughs> with that movie, I think what, what's most tragic to me is that I loved Kelsey Grammer as the Beast. It was a perfect choice. It was a perfect choice. It, just perfect. So, anyway, I'm going to speculate right here and here now that Apocalypse is a villain in Days of Future Past, and that Peter Dinklage, an actor who otherwise would stand out for his physicality, in which when I say Peter Dinklage is in it, everybody goes, Puck, Puck! But... Um, could play something completely unexpected and I think because he has a fantastic voice and as you pointed out Rick he's a fantastic actor he just simply is a fantastic actor he would be an amazingly threatening apocalypse if you could make him believable as an 8 foot tall ancient Egyptian mutant Yes, which if he's computer generated could very well be so I'm just going to put it out there write that down fanboys that 2 plus 2 to me equals Peter Dinklage is apocalypse? That would be that would be pretty crazy and interesting and fun. I think that'd be great. Yeah. So um, I still wouldn't mind seeing him as Puck. I, I wouldn't either. But Puck is really Alpha Flight, and they have. I have they besides Wolverine dealt with anybody that was an Alpha Flight character? I think they've no. kept separate. So I I don't think Alpha Flight would have been caught up in the X Men package either. When you sold rights to Fox, when you when they sold the rights to Fox. When I sold the rights to Fox. And I believe that Alpha Flight... Alpha Flight would be the Incredible Hulk package. Could be, and Puck did not appear in the X-Men Alpha Flight crossovers until after John Byrne got to launch Alpha Flight separately. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I agree. The first time they said Peter Dinklage went, oh, yeah, he must be Puck. And then it's like clear that Puck just isn't in the movie. So, The funny thing about Puck, though, I don't think Dinklage could... It'd be hard to have him in such an acrobatic yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. He'd be CG through He's a lot a of that. He's a schemer. All right. And, yes, Nate has a look of earbuds. They could completely miscast Puck and have him be six feet tall like Wolverine. Yes. He's being played by Du Gray Scott. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, and then, uh, last Why do they call you Puck? Well, I once caught a Puck in my teeth. <laughs> yes. No, no, this and is Brian. No, it. no. It has nothing to do with my height. No, they would do this correctly. Brian Singer is in charge, right? He wouldn't do Who? that. Yeah, but Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. He's 6'4". Wolverine's like 5'2". Yeah, but... It's supposed to be. Okay. But so Puck's supposed to be short, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Puck is supposed to be very uh, diminutive. He's not just short. <laughs> right. Okay. He's like three foot. So, we'll see. Last night, briefly online, the Ant-Man test footage that Edgar Wright shot that was shown at Comic-Con, right? We just, none of us, none of us got there. Yeah, yeah, a few years ago. 
Uh, no, it was just this it was last, last year. Was it last year? Yeah. yeah, but it, but Edgar oh, Wright has been right. Edgar Wright has been linked with with uh, Ant Man Ant Man for forever since before I think I've asked, Iron Man. Even I, came I think out, I've it? asked him at least three times. I've 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 been in interviews with him three times at Comic Con, and all three times I've asked about Ant Man, and it's like oh, we'll <laughs> see. And Simon Pegg is going. Well, maybe it's me. Uh, you know, so uh, I don't think it's going to be Simon Pegg, but. Uh, they did leak it, and it looked really good. It was a brief fight sequence of Ant- of presumably Scott Lang, but Ant Man in with a cybernetic helmet on, growing and shrinking and fighting two bad guys in the hallway. Everything you want. Those guys no, were just standing in that hallway. They were attacked. They were probably Shield agents. Were there any ants in the scene? No. Okay. Which kind of gives me hope because you know, honestly, you got to save that. The communication with ants thing, it could work. Oh, no, I'm thinking about riding the flying ant. Oh, no, I understand. That's the thing he has to be able to do. No, but I understand. But I'm saying you don't put that in the proof of concept thing because there's a man riding an ant. Then everybody (laughs) would think, it's honey, I shrunk the kids. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. They have to be really (laughs) Oh, man. Disney, you screwed yourself over. Um, Before you even knew it. Okay. And another thing, way that they're going to screw themselves over, apparently, is they're going to try to remake Pete's Dragon. Yeah, everyone's been yelling about needing a new Pete's Pete's Dragon movie. Is it going to be live action and CGI? Well, I I guess so, and I'm thinking, you know... The funny thing is, the Electric Street Parade and Pete's Dragon comes by, and all the kids are going, who is that? Well, those kids have been declined. Deprived. A major part of their growth. I, I do recall it as a somewhat charming... Yeah, a uh, charming little film. Yeah, uh, I love that movie. If I may uh, awkwardly, you know, say because when I was a kid, uh, my my parents' friend Gary Goldman animated Elliot was one of the animation directors on that, and um, so I can remember really just we got excited when that movie came out because we felt like we were supporting Gary when we went to see it, you know. And so, and so I have fond memories of it. It holds a place in my heart. I just don't know that. I guess when you say it CG, like. I miss the absolute ridiculousness of 2D animation yeah. Yeah. in a in a real world, which is going away. It's coming back. Really? Yeah, you're gonna get special glasses that turn the 3D into 2D. 2D. <laughs> you it, you know? <laughs> did we already talk about the Roger Rabbit movie? Oh, and Mickey Mouse. Were they gonna remake the Stooge? Yeah, supposedly. Um, that doesn't make any sense, though. No. Here's what I think. So Bob. Bob Iger, who you know is head of Disney, said like, uh, not that I know of, but then had to backpedal and kind of said, like, you know, it is a big company. It's possible that something's going on in in Disney movies that I don't know, but I don't think so. <laughs> you know, and so um, Gary K. Wolf, the guy who wrote Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and it's really bizarre sequel. By, although actually, if you read the novel, Who Censored Roger Rabbit? It's not Who Framed. Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Have you ever read it? No. It's 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 really weird. I think it's is it in print? I don't think it's currently in print. I, I but remember it's holding come, it in my hand in a bookstore once, going, "I should buy this." I I do I have a copy somewhere, and it's one of those books, uh, like really when you read Forrest Gump, it's like okay, I guess I can see the skeleton of the why somebody wanted to buy that and make it into a movie. Yeah. But they got such a much better movie out of it than it is a book. And that's how Who Censored Roger Rabbit is. It's bizarre. 
Roger is completely unlike. Have you ever read Forrest Gump? Yeah, I have. No, yeah. same thing. It's yeah. like I said. Once I read Forrest Gump, I was like, as over the top as Forrest Gump is, the book is even more crazy, and just not that good. Yeah, it's and just and the fact they good. toned it down for the movie is much better. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll yeah. consider the movie. Uh, I'll go out there and say I I really love that movie, and a lot of people hate it. Yeah. In Who hindsight, hates Forrest Gump the movie. Cynical bastards. Um, people with no soul. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Cynical bastards with no soul. It's ridiculous. Probably Jason Salazar. I'm going to call him out on it. Um, I, yeah. I'll ask him next time I see him. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which just had his 25th anniversary <laughs> release. I, I'm getting it from Amazon, hopefully this week. And maybe next week we can talk about it just to see if there was anything cool. Because it didn't really get like a big push, like all of a sudden. Except if you go to Disney Parks, suddenly... There's a section of T-shirts of Roger Rabbit when there hasn't been for a long, long time. So they're clearly, it was 25th anniversary. They would like to do something. There's a lot of negotiation that has to happen because Steven Spielberg, essentially Amblin, co-owns Roger Rabbit with Disney, and they have to both agree. One of those kind of yeah. kind well, of deals. Well, they should make another movie that's not starring Mickey Mouse and Roger Rabbit where it's humans live action, and cartoon 2D animation. I see, and I love that. And that's what I say. Is I wouldn't want to see Pete, I wouldn't want to see Elliot, the pink and green dragon, being a CG textural character. I loved the hand-painted cell look. Mm-hmm. But then, I just think in our in our modern time, I guess you could take the basic idea and do something fun, maybe, but one, it's one of those movies that I like because it's so stupid. I mean, it's because it's a, a weird musical, too. And you know, I, and I like those, yeah. but I don't think that they sell really well. But on the Disney Roger Rabbit thing, because there were so yeah. many properties in Rob, Roger Rabbit that yes. were just like sidebar, then they're not all in public domain, but they got the rights to use. It was a one because it was Spielberg. Spielberg so, negotiated it all, so they can do anything they want with the movie, but they can't necessarily reproduce characters that are that are in the movie. In well, new th- they can't use Bugs Bunny, right? But like for one one reason that there's only um, three shorts with Roger Rabbit, right? Was because Steven Spielberg. It's just like why there's only four um, Indiana Jones films. Uh, Spielberg had to approve any th- idea they had, so it was apparently it got to the point where at that point, and maybe things are different now. I'd hope they are, but. That Spielberg would just be nope, 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 and they had so, and it was so difficult for them to have him in the mix. I've also heard I don't know if this is true, but I've also heard that one of the main reasons there's that Toontown exists is because Spielberg insisted that Roger Rabbit would get a ride. Yeah, and they well, wanted to kind of hide it away. <laughs> it is kind of cool that <laughs> the, it is kind of the Mickey and Minnie houses are back there in the Roger oh, no. Rabbit land. Don't get me wrong; I really love Toontown. But, I think it's a but gr- the idea, good that idea, if you have little kids, so when you spawn, Nate, take your child to Toontown. You won't be sorry. He's been there. I must have been there. Yeah, but but the, but the you thing don't about have a child. I'm the saying, thing take about your those, child. Those, I will. those additional Roger Rabbit movies. That are, the conceit is that they are movies that would have been made by the film production. Right, right, right. Yes, in that movie, they're and maroon so, cartoons. And they don't necessarily yes. contain any of those questionable char- rights characters. Right, they don't. Yeah, no. So they could. It's so all Bert, they could Herman do what Gary K. Wolf has said they're doing. But the only person saying that this this concept exists is the guy who stands the most to have his career revived by. <laughs> By the remake of the Stooge. So, 
I, I you know, don't know. I don't know there. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm excited about the idea of a Pete's Dragon Rank. We're back to that. And uh, we just say that the one remake that's coming in a couple of weeks that we I, I am excited about, and I think even even the bitter Jason Salazar is excited about, is Evil Dead. And it's uh, a remake of of the original. But now you were telling me the poster says that it's like a sequel. Well, they've been talking about it as it, as, it's, as it's a sequel, and it's not it's not a remake of the original movie because of course the original movie was college kids and this is high school kids and it's a horror. Right. There's no ash in it. Ash. Well, left, because you know, I mean, left in the because, because the craziest thing is like, it's too iconic with Bruce Campbell. There's no yeah. way that you could say, Hey, this is this young kid playing Ash. And arguably evil dead. Two was Lloyd? a remake of evil dead one. Not arguably it was yeah. because they couldn't get the rights to, their original film, right. so they had to reshoot things and re and, and then they decided to make it funny. So because the first one isn't all that funny, the second one gets funnier. Yeah, it's very slapstick and yeah, yeah. and then and then you get Army it's of almost, Darkness. It's almost a parody of of the first movie. Yeah. So and the Army of Darkness is just so over the top. I love Army of Darkness, and then Sam Raimi announced or or agreed or submitted depends on how whose report you read has said that there would be an Evil Dead four. But now his office is saying, well, if there is, it's really more of an Army of Darkness 2, which is good, depending on which ending you saw, because there are two endings to Army of Darkness. Did the, okay, so the second, the Ash, Ash Wakes Up ending is only on the DVD. And, and in Japan. Oh, in Japan. Japan yes. doesn't count. And it was and not only on the DVD... <laughs> On the laser disc, Ooh. I had the import laser disc where the where the title. I still love this. This is my favorite Japanese translation of a title ever. Do you, do any of you know what it was called in Japan? Army of Darkness translated or was retitled in English or in English, if you will, because I mean that is legitimately. I'm not being racist. That's what they call it. Um, Captain Supermarket. The hero you've seen before. Nice. <laughs> so that is what my that's import awesome. laser disc of Army of Darkness is called. And that's your password. I need a T-shirt that says Captain, Captain Supermarket. Supermarket. The hero you've, you've seen, seen before. before. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, it, and, and so the ending that was released theatrically in the U.S. was that he just returns to the S Mart, kills right. one last deadite. Says that just appears for no good reason. It says, "Hail to the king, baby!" And it's always good to be the king, or something. Yeah, yeah, and baby. He's in Bubba Hotep. Well, then he is in Bubba Hotep. Yes, but what? They're he's not the really king. related. Yeah, well, he is the actual king in Bubba Hotep. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But uh, and then the so uh, Army of Darkness was Bubba Hotep's dream. Right, and then uh, and then at the end, and then the alternate ending to which most people actually prefer is that he lost track of how many drops. He was a sleeping potion he was sleep. supposed to take, and he oversleeps. Have you seen it? No. And he wakes up. He gets out of his car, out of the cave that they had put him in, and he goes out, and it's like this post-apocalyptic world. I think there's even a pterodactyl flying by. It's like that, yeah. like that Doctor Who episode. Like, Big Ben 
the the Statue of Liberty. Like every possible symbol of post-apocalyptic ruin is all actually all tied together <laughs> into one scene. And he goes, and he's got this long beard and long hair, and it's all white. And he goes, "No, I've slept too long," and that's the end of the movie. And and it's so perfectly Ash. It really is yeah. a better ending for the way Ash is always like trimming himself up. But uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Um, yeah. So then, Army of Darkness Two will be him coming out of that cave. Perhaps who knows? Because That'd they've be because they've clearly not felt. Or he really wakes up. The first one was a dream. They, I can't even remember if the. I guess the end of Evil Dead Two was when he when he ended up in the past. He goes down, and, yeah. the, and they showed that the picture in the Necronomicon is of him with the with the rifle outside right. of his car. And like it had gone back in some ancient civilization. Have you seen these movies at all? Yeah, but long ago. Yeah, I don't okay. remember anything about them. I need you to need to see them every them. year. You need to. Strangely them. enough, I saw one, two, three on a in a um, a marathon at, in Utah wow. when I was with Comic Sports. We would do these Utah college tours, and it was like we were at Weber State. Anybody from Weber? Weber. Um, which we loved entertaining. What Weber's was your mascot at Weber? I don't know State? what we. I don't care. We just did the shows. We came in, <laughs> we got stuck uh, in Ogden, and uh, and they had for some strange reason, they had the Evil Dead movies. What were showing in the student union? So we were like done doing our show, our first show, and it was like we we're going to be the next night. So they said, "Well, um, we're going to show Evil Dead tomorrow night, you know, or, or like Sunday night or something." So we've got the prints. Do you want to just? Watch, watch them. them now. So it was just the comedy sports team in the um, Weber State Auditorium. <laughs> so five of us watching, <laughs> six of us watching Evil Dead, uh, <laughs> one, two, and Army of Darkness, which was great because the guy who uh, owned comedy sports really hated scary movies, and he <laughs> sat, with us, sat with us going, eh, sort of like what you guys are anticipating a Walking Dead marathon will do to me. I think that's the way you're going to be a G.I. Joe. Mm, sandwich between. Thanks for bringing that up. Oh. Yeah. G.I. Joe. Uh, you know, though, I have hopes for G.I. Joe. Because I do, too. There is a press I'm not going to see it with you guys. There is a press screening, which means that's better than the first one, because they didn't offer a press screening for the first one. Yeah. And um, it's The Rock, so I'll forgive a lot for The Rock. Yeah. Um, because you smell what he's cooking? I do. And Bruce Willis. It's got ninjas on strings, man. I, I look and all I want is it, I just want at one point someone to ask Bruce Willis where his lifelike hair and beard is. <laughs> and I will be He'll in show heaven. them his kung fu grip. I will be fine. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm looking forward to it because I thought, you know, I mean, Ray Parkus, Snake Eyes was fine. Um, Snake I'm all, Eyes was the only good thing in the first movie. Yes. I know. I, I will agree with that. that the I Baroness. No, no, I didn't really know. The Baroness Snake was Eyes not was good. It. Um, and who is that? Adrienne Pilecki, who was um, uh, was the Wonder Woman in the David E. Kelly pilot, and she was on Friday Night Live. She's going to be Lady J, and I think she's cute, so I'll probably enjoy that. You know, we'll see. Um, and uh, I would like to have a moment of silence for a man who changed the face of American cinema, who passed away yesterday. The face of American cinema? No, you're right. It wasn't the face. Well, the throat of American cinema. Oh, my God, that was terribly sleazy of me to say it that it way. Was. Harry Reams, actor Harry Reams, who did actually make a couple of mainstream film appearances, but is most famous or infamous, if you will, for being the male lead in Deep Throat, the, the movie that made pornography safe 
for American cinemas. And he was also the only porn star to be brought up and charged with obscenity uh, by, I believe, not the U.S. Supreme Court, but by a federal court. He was brought up on federal charges. This is all documented in the documentary film Boogie Nights. There is actually a documentary inside Deep Throat that uh, that does talk about all the legal battles. And you may you may squirm at that title, Nate, but 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 the truth of the matter is, like Harry Reams was, he could not afford a lawyer. Many major Hollywood stars actually contributed because they said if this guy was was put away, then who are they coming for next? Right. And so he was defended. But he spent his twilight. Years, Hollywood had learned a little bit from the McCarthy era. Yeah. So uh, he spent his twilight years. Uh, he apparently found God. Uh, he died in in. Uh, he was in Utah, but I'm not sure, uh, I can't remember which city, but he was a, a real estate salesman, uh, was married very happily, uh, and in fact, it was weird to see that he had died yesterday because I had just, like maybe a month ago, read an article on him about how his life was so completely different and how happy he was now, and and because there's two competing Linda Lovelace movies coming Lovelace. out, and um, Amanda Seyfried is playing Linda Lovelace, and I can't remember who's playing. Lovelace. Lovelace. No, she was loveless. She died loveless. Is Miguelito loveless. His real name? No, no, it was not. Okay. Uh, but that's where all the all the all the obituaries are going to say. Amazing. Um, and he wasn't even supposed to be the be in the film. He was the boom mic operator, and uh, the original actor canceled out. So they asked him if he would step in, so to speak, and uh, change things. But. Uh, yeah, so it's just kind of interesting because, again, people don't get, again, when I say it was, like, safe for mainstream cinema, like, my dad and my uncle would go. It was advertised in the newspaper, and they would go down to, like, I don't think they were playing at the centuries, but no, but they were still, it was, I can remember passing by I, theaters and seeing the, mar- seeing the titles on the marquees. I can remember, this is embarrassing to say, but my mother let me do this for Father's Day one year. Like probably I was like in second or third grade, and we went to Long's Drugs, and I bought because it was right there on the stands, the autobiography of Linda Lovelace for my dad for Father's Day, and I can remember the clerk going like, "Is this okay?" And my mom going, "Yes, his father would really appreciate it," and my dad would just thought you know we just thought it was funny that that's what he was getting from an eight year old, but I was eight and I bought this, <laughs> you know, it was like, but it was at Long's. It was yeah. a long. I mean, it was just like a couple of years where it was just like, whoa, yeah, this was just out there. And no, so, it was, I mean, regular couples were going to see that. I movie. am not passing a judgment whether that was right or wrong. No, it was a Culturally, it's just it's, cultural it's a thing. weird yeah. sociological phenomenon. And I'm sorry, the guy was only like 62 or 63. He clearly went too young. So, uh, but he was happy in his in his later life, and uh, and God fearing. If that's the way you'd like the moral of the story to go, it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we mark his passing, and then we talk about something that, that is. You never did the moment of silence. You said I'd like to have a moment of silence. You told right, the whole fine. story, and we've never had a moment. I was going to put that in in the editing, but here we go. And we're back. Thank you. I wish the kitchen could have shown some damned respect. <laughs> I heard silverware dropping and the sound of gagging. Okay, so um, anyway, uh, on television, we have Teen Titans Go, the humorous version of the already humorous Teen Titans How about animated Teen Titans series. No. I, it's actually kind of cute. They've it's, been running preview things on DC Nation, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, they've been running terrible. the short, the little shorts in between. That's all the they are. Yeah. That's all it's going to be is the shorts collected. I don't like, think of those as previews. I mean, no, no, it's going to be. That's really it's, it's going to be like little five skits. minute things. Yeah, little skits, which everybody's going to. It's really funny because uh, I, I realize Nate's not been listening to Hollywood Babylon after getting me interested in listening to some of the smodcasts. <laughs> and, and one of the things is that Fox just hired Kevin Smith to do a short comp. And so they're going to try this summer an hour-long programming block, which will be like four or five, ten to twelve-minute sitcoms. And they were talking about it on Hollywood Babylon, like this is a weird thing. I'm like that's what Adult Swim does. There was a Saturday morning TV show that did this with Danger Island. Yeah, and that would be the Banana Splits. The Banana Splits. But there was also, but, like, like, but NBC tried it once before with an adventure series called Cliffhangers. That had yeah. like Dracula, nineteen eighty, and you know, yeah. It, it was a bad show. But um, so they're trying with sitcoms, and Craig Robinson's hosting, and they're just going to rotate three, through. But once see. a week, that's kind of. But yeah, but I'm, I'm saying it's just like these short forms are coming. So, yeah. And Cartoon Network has realized this that like you can go on demand, and parents are probably grateful is that if you program a 15 minute show, say four minutes of commercials, 11 minutes of actual programming, yeah. you've saved money, you've got twice as much programming on because you've. Because you have two different series back to back, they only take fifteen minutes, where they used to take thirty, and you know, and you catch kids at different times and, and bite size, bite size. So I guess it makes sense. So now we're all kids; we can't watch a half hour s- sitcom. Well, I think that I know my attention Fox span has a little trouble with half an hour. Oh, jeez. Well, you know, I, I don't see it as, in, as as me. I can still watch all the old stuff that I can keep an attention span for. But for teen audiences, maybe. I think I, especially for comedy, though. For, for little comedic bits, it's hard to keep up a, a, keep a bit going for half an hour of comedy. But you can go for a couple of good jokes in I don't know, because I've got you know, Venture Brothers and Archer that's, that prove you wrong. But, that's, that's true. But, uh, but I shouldn't say even prove you wrong. But, but that's just like, there will be crappy 11 minutes, believe me. But I think the thing about... Uh, <coughs> About Teen Titans Go is it's kind of frenetic. It's kind of the visual, the visual yeah. and energy that's along with the jokes and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like watching Angry or- Annoying Orange. Have you watched Annoying Orange? I have no. watched it. I have. I don't have kids. It's oh, not someday for kids. you will watch. <laughs> I don't think I think it's for kids. No, I think what it is it, that would give kids nightmares. No, oh, Luke loves it. Oh my, Luke loves Annoying Orange, and I and so I started. I I watched it with him. I will only watch it with him. I will not watch it on my own. I promise. Because last year at Comic Con, they really wanted us to cover Annoying Orange. Oh, really? They really wanted us to, and I should say um, NMB Comics Paper Cuts has an Annoying Orange comics graphic novel series, which the first one I got for Luke, and he loved that. They did a James Bond parody. Mm. What was hilarious is realizing that Luke knows nothing about James Bond. <laughs> so even as he's reading all these fruit puns based on Bond films. He found them funny for their own sake and didn't know why, you know, they they would, you know, that's just one of those funny things. But but Annoying Orange is aimed at, you know, it's a sense of humor of, of an eight-year-old. Annoying Orange talks like that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can see it. I just, but, but oh, it's frenetic. The, and it's, the visuals are, uh, the, the faces on the fruit is a little it's disturbing to us. Disturbing. Fine for them. Okay. It's no worse than clutch cargo. Uh, so that was just the mouth. Yeah, maybe. Disney is is announcing new has announced new Mickey Mouse shorts, letting them be a little more creative. And uh, I'm not sure if they're going to put them on television, like interstitials on 
Disney Channel. I know they're reviving House of Mouse, so I'm wondering if some of these will pop up there. Um, but uh, maybe some theatrically as it's appropriate. But they did leak online, so if you go to Disney.com this week, I think it's open to anybody, not just pass holders. But maybe you can experiment that they have a preview of the first one, which is called uh, Croissant du Triomphe. And uh, <coughs> it's taking place in Paris, crosses over with Euro Disneyland. Uh, really wild, looser um, drawing style. You watched this? I did. I watched it before I came. So would it make me want to go to Euro Disneyland? I thought it was pretty much making fun of the concept of Euro Disneyland. <laughs> That's it's interesting. Is um, it in French? Bonjour, Mickey. G- yes, it was gibberish French. Uh, Mickey, oh Mickey, no croissant, croissant, croissant. A lot of repetition of that, but a lot of visual gags that I thought worked really well. And, and then, uh, yes, basically any character that actually belongs in Paris is there. So the gargoyles from Hunchback of Notre Dame Pepe are there. French horses. What? Pepe Le Pew. Wrong company. Okay, wait a minute. Oh, oh I'm gonna swank. Okay, uh, <laughs> so I thought it was interesting. I, we'll see what the others are like, but but it was a nice launch to it. Because it really captured the spirit, although I will admit, I watched Steamboat Willie. I, I don't find that necessarily funny more, you know, but but there was an anarchic spirit that was intended there originally before Mickey kind of became the the corporate spokesperson. Yeah. And it's re-recreating that. So okay. I thought it was pretty pretty cute. Um you got a couple games things. You're talking about a Lord of the Rings dice building game? Yeah, there's a there's this dice game already on the market called Quarriers. I've seen and, that. Okay. And you actually have to step back from a little bit and say what's well, a dice building game and and if you've you've probably you may have heard of of deck building games. Yeah. Where everyone everyone starts off with a few of these basic cards and you use those cards as currency to kind of earn and buy other cards that go into your deck. And so you end up playing Kind of like a Magic the Gathering game with a deck that you build interactively with other people at the t- in competition with other people at the table. The one problem with these games is you may have 15 cards and you have to shuffle the decks over and over and over again. It wears out the cards. So somebody, the, these, these guys who did Couriers decided, we can do this with dice. And instead of having a deck, you'll get a little bag. So when you, when you gain new dice, they'll throw them in the bag and that replaces shuffling. Um, the games itself... Uh, the dice represent either creatures or spells or whatever, and uh, the me- mechanic basically is you draw them at random from the bag, and you're yeah. able to roll them to put creatures on the board, and, it, and as they go around, um, they attack the other players. So you must roll fifty or better. You, you actually you actually roll roll, and it does a down. If it gets back to you, if 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 you go all the way around the table and gets back to you, then it can damage someone. So everyone at the table has a chance to take it on and destroy it before it gets back to you and is able to attack someone, which is a neat little mechanism. Um, and I imagine that's going to be the the basis of this Lord of the Rings game. I, we haven't actually seen it, but. The Lord of the Rings game is going to be cooperative, which means everyone it's semi-cooperative, I've heard. So everyone at the table is basically fighting the mechanism of the game that represents the bad side, the, the, the Sauron and the Nazgul and all this other stuff. Um, so it, it, and it looks, actually, it looks kind of exciting. The, and the package is pretty good. It's not like 90-something dice uh, for this, uh, I think it was fifty dollars. Manufacturer. That, that's retail. a lot of Yahtzee. That's a lot of dice, and but these are beautiful dice and a beautiful game. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited about that one. 
But uh, you're not excited about the other one you're going to talk the about? The Batman is kind of an interesting one because you go, it's a Batman strategy game. Right. You said it's not a deck building game, which we've no, seen. It's already been I, You have the notes there. I forgot. I put the, the titles of the game. So the, the I'm sorry, yes, Lord of the did. Rings is Lord of the Rings, the dice building. Which, uh, by the way, I should game. say, tonight's episode of, of, of the Family Within a Podcast brought to you by Evernote. Thank you, Evernote, <laughs> for making it possible. So Lord of the Rings is just called the dice building game. Right. And the Batman is the Batman's Gotham City Strategy. Right. So in the Gotham City Strategy game. Oh, from WizKids. It's, it's a WizKids game. It, it deals heavily with figures, with, with dial bases. This sounds, might sound familiar to people who played um, Hero Clicks. There are other figures there on are, bases. Yeah. The, the, there are a number of Star Wars games now that have those both on figures and on ships. But. The thing I found interesting about this is that it looks like the people who play this game each play a villain. Yes, it does look like that. And they're attacking. They're attacking. Yeah, you each the, take the role of a villain. Uh, yeah. They're attacking apparently Batman. So it's an interesting twist on a Batman style game. And it and I should note that it's it's marked as fourteen and up. And you say, well, fourteen. That's not much. In the gaming business, fourteen is about as high as a game goes. That means you're able to do math and you can. You can there are, there aren't you don't usually see games that are marked like eighteen and over. And you can deal with the moral equivalency of assuming the role of a villain and taking on Batman, who is the world's greatest superhero. Better than that, you can revel in it as a fourteen. The world's greatest detective, Derek. Yes. So he's the world's greatest superhero. He's looking not a superhero. For, looking forward to that. We're I'm really behind in uh, the games I'd like to do actual reviews on. There is the DC deck building game and then there's Legendary which is the deck building game from Marvel. I've got those on the table. So I've got, know, you've talked about, yeah, got a goal of, of getting through those two and doing a cooperative review of those with, uh, with Shang, Shang-Chi and I will probably do that. What about the uh, Pong pen and pencil role playing game? I haven't seen that yet. Oh. I mean, pen and paper. Or it's pencil supposed and paper to be. I'm, or I should be getting it as a member of the successful Kickstarter uh, community. Awesome. Oh. You'll have to let me know how that is. Yeah, well, we have. Maybe we'll have. <laughs> I'm just going to get volumes one and two. Maybe we'll have Ben come on and Game Master. Are there are there, are there more are there days left on the show? On There's like a week or so left. Okay, so Kickstarter, check out Pong the Wandering Shaolin Monk. Right. Uh, there's a day or two left on Hatter M. Um, I think Hatter M's down to like hours. It said Friday, so probably okay. you're right. Probably won't be in. Uh, it'll be over by the time. I got a pledge, um, and I can't think if there's anything else we had outstanding that we were thinking about. I guess you can still donate Veronica. to Veronica Mars. Yeah. yeah, just Veronica. And the the game we were touting last week. Um, uh, let's see, maybe uh, Thon. Thon. Yeah, I guess we has been withdrawn, and it we don't know been. why. So I might have some answers onto that as to that. Okay, uh, but I'll take that off the air. So. Okay. Uh, but I hope that it will. I hope that it I will sure resume. I sure do because the beautiful. I pieces. hope that it will resume. Yeah. So, all right. Well, hey, if you've got questions, comments, compliments, commentary, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Uh, you can, of course, find us on iTunes. Subscribe, review us, tell your friends. Find us on the Stitcher app. Find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. If you'd like to kick over on PayPal, we sure would appreciate it. Or you can order something you've heard about on this podcast through the Amazon link, and that also will kick a little back to the Fanboy Planet podcast. So thank you very much for listening. This was episode 302 at Cafe Stretch. We thank Cafe Stretch in the Sofa District. I can't see the address in reverse from this distance. 374. 374 South, South, First, South Street. First Street. Sofa District, downtown San Jose. Fantastic restaurant. Come down, enjoy this place, and maybe you'll see us here because it feels like we just keep coming here to eat. And 
That's a sign for of good, good reason. Place. For good reason, because it's it's reasonable working and it's our, delicious. Working our way through the menu. Yes. Uh, and so I'm Derek McCaw. I am Dave Costa. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers power only, only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. Listen up, fanboys! Stop, hold on for a second. Stop now and hold on for a second. Yeah, I've got to take this down. This is... Talk now, do it again. Testing my vocal volume. When you do that, when you do the... No, when we do a sound check, it's just you talking. When you do the loud one, you peg it. And when you peg it, we get a lot of high-end static. So yes. it's almost better if you're off the mic when you're doing the loud stuff. You did okay. actually. There's there's a there's a real cool waveform <laughs> last week where you loosen up fanboy and it and it kind of curves down and it comes back out. It's really beautiful from from the standpoint <laughs> of a waveform. Okay. Oh my God! You need a job. <laughs> from the, the waveform <laughs> was beautiful. That was the most beautiful waveform. It was. It was delicious too. What? You're, you ready? Yes. Go. Uh, so, oh, sorry, I shouldn't have gone. I'm going to cut that out. I, I know. I'm sorry. It was, like, it was a good joke, though. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to hear it, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. <laughs> You're going to hear this. Oh. I'm going to sneak back in. If you'd like to hear any censored bits, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. <laughs> we'll see if somebody writes in anything. Um, anyway, uh, Evil Dead is coming.